Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, hosting as normal, and today is our big season preview and uh, array of terrible predictions to follow in the next hour. Uh, joined today by, uh, as usual, Reds correspondent Sarah Clapson. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yes, not too bad, not too bad. Although, off on a tangent, I got awoken at 6am this morning by my wife saying there's a mouse scuttling around inside her um, bedside cabinet. So I was like, oh, Christ, I'm going to have to get rid of a mouse when I'm barely woken up. And uh, I moved it around. Anyway, to cut a long story short, it was uh, a clock inside there where the battery had just died. An old-style uh, alarm clock was going click, 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 click. <laughs> and it sounded just like a mouse scuttling around. So that was a bad way to be woken up. But anyway, I'm fine. Better than you. being woken up by an actual mouse. Oh, yeah. I'd absolutely. Um, I can't swear on this. But, you know, I'd have been terrified. <laughs> um, and our other guests are returning fan favourites. First of all, Mikey Clark. Hello, Mikey. Are you well? Hi, Mike. Yeah, I, I don't have a story as good as that, I'm afraid, though, mate. So That's fine. <laughs> We're just glad you're here. And our <laughs> final guest today, our first, I think it's our first ever four-person show, but it's a big blockbuster one being the start of the season, is Greg Mitchell. Greg, are you well? Yeah, good, good. No vermin here, so all's well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad everyone has got vermin-free households as we start the day. Right, um, before we start making our predictions and talk about uh, the game against Coventry, we should probably try and find out what kind of side Forest are actually going to have and if they'll make any more signings before then. Sarah, over to you. Forest have been linked with, in the last week, uh, Josh Laron and uh, Tom Holmes from Reading. Uh, Morgan Rogers last night from uh, by our friend and former colleague Paul Taylor, and uh, there's kind of the ongoing James Garner saga. Are you able to sum all that up about where we're at with transfers? Well, we're no further on in that there's been no more new signings. Um, <clears throat> the suggestion is there might be something before the weekend. I don't know whether that's more in in hopes than expectation, but um, hopefully there might be something. Um. <laughs> Uh, they've been linked with a, a few more players um, in positions where they do need strengthening. I think we're still still no nearer really getting um, anything particularly over the line. But they need full backs. They need a right back, a left back. They need some more signings up front, midfielder. Um, so they are looking at, at those kind of players. And I think the the encouraging thing is that they're they're looking at players that clubs are reluctant to let go of. Um, so that they're kind of... It's, it's difficult in that sense to get things done in that, you know, clubs are trying to hang on to these players. But Forrest are looking at, at signings that have a lot of interest that the clubs don't want to let them go. So I think that shows that maybe a little bit of a change in, um, in transfer strategy and, and direction. Um, I think in the past we've seen 
summer windows where it's been a bit hectic and a bit chaotic and um i guess even last year there was signing after signing after signing whereas this year it's been a bit more patient we're waiting in general for the transfer window to get going um hopefully things start to kick into life soon it seems like it's getting going in the premier league and then that does tend to then filter down the divisions so hopefully we might have some news soon um i suspect there might be a couple of of outgoings in the near future as well um it, it seems like Fouad Bashiru is close to to a departure so i think we'll start to see a bit more business getting done of the list of players Forest being linked with the ones i mentioned Laurent Holmes Rogers Garner um Zinkenagel Buchanan if you are there any of those that you feel are likely to get done it's always difficult to say but you have you know optimism around any of them in particular um i think that a lot of it depends on um for a lot of them it's it's whether forest meet the valuation of um the clubs um and at the minute for for a lot of those players they haven't done um we've seen it with um zian fleming as well they've not met the kind of valuation that um that's placed on his head and it, it depends on them maybe up in their bid a little bit or coming to some kind of arrangement, some kind of deal that gets things over the line. Um, there is strong interest in most of those players. There have been bids placed for quite a few of them. It's just whether Forrest wants to take things a little bit further. Um, Mikey, where do you, I'm reading the comments here. People saying very poor window. People saying it's not a terrible window because we've got rid of a lot of players. Where are you at in the state of the squad at the moment, just in terms of sheer panic or a bit of, are you comfortable with where they're at at the moment? Honestly, Matt, I'm probably somewhere in between. I think um, if you look at what's happening with some of the uh, other clubs in the championship, I think the answer is not much. So I think I saw a stat the other day that said, if Fulham buy this guy that they're after, I think his name's Muniz for 8 million, then something like 20, 25, 26 million would have been spent in the championship with 20 million of that being Fulham. So it's not as if all the other clubs are around our level, strengthening and, and you know, uplifting their squads. Um, I think we're waiting for a, a bit of a domino effect. And obviously in the last sort of 24 hours, Premier League teams spending big money, you'd hope that that sort of trickles down. And then when the Premier League squads are announced, um, that then will free up players for for moves that maybe aren't on the radar right now. Plus, you've got your loan system as well. So I'm all right at the minute. I think if you look back to what we've done in, in previous seasons where we've, you know, bought, even back to the days of Gary Megson, where I think he bought something like 10 players in a week. I seem to remember I was on holiday and, and every, like, two hours I was getting updates of a player that had come in. So even back in the day we seem to go from, you know, sublime to the ridiculous. And I think if you look at the last couple of years, our recruitment has been probably scattergun at best. So I think I probably just urge a bit of, a bit of caution. Um, we are trying to get players out. I think that's well known. Certain people like Bashiru and that are on, on the verge of leaving. Um, so the squad will take shape. There's a lot of, a lot of players that were out on loan last season that have come back. Um, you know, Brennan Johnson, Gabriel Richardson, players like that, they'll feature to some extent. So it's not as if the squad has been totally depleted, but it does have a very different look than maybe it had a few months ago. 
but I think there's still three or four weeks left, I believe. Don't think it's time to panic yet. <clears throat> I think if the if the first game of the season was in a month's time, I don't think anybody would be worried. But because it's literally in you know a couple of days' time, uh, people are looking at how we look in terms of squad depth. And at the moment, it's not it's not great. But like I say, I think I just urge a bit of caution. There's still time. The players that we've been linked with are really good, young, up and coming players that in a few years' time will be worth more in terms of their value. So we're seeing this new way of thinking that uh, Murphy and, and his team have, have clearly bought to it. And I just urge a bit of um, bit of patience, I think. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment, Matt, somewhere in between. What's needed then, Greg? I mean, the first 11 on it looks decent enough at the moment. Obviously, there's a big hole at left back. But what, what do you hope will come in in the next four weeks in terms of players? Uh, I think we need another striker for to help grab him, to push grab him a bit. I don't think there's someone there at the minute. Uh, but I'm in quite. I'm not in a. I'm not worried at all. I think um, it's been such a slow transfer window for absolutely every team in our division. Um, we are stronger this season than we were at the start of last season. It's a much more settled squad, settled manager, someone who's seen those squad players. Um, we've got players like Carvalho and Johnson hopefully going to be in the mix. Um, that's going to only benefit Graben. Graben's a brilliant striker. He had an off-season last season, but most our players did. Um, I think we have a strong start and we'll be OK and we'll pick up some of these Premier League loanies. I know we will. We always do. Um, it is a bit concerning when we keep putting these bids in that are reported nowhere near what these players are valued. Um, I don't know whether it's a bit like hitting hope or, or whether it is a lot more calculated. I like the sound of the Man City player that we're linked with. Um, and they were even on about putting in a bid to buy him with like a heavily structured deal. So it, it sounds like we are being sensible. Nobody wants to see us buy 14 players like we did the other year that the next year we're trying to like desperately get rid of them all. So I'm, I'm in a good place with it all at the minute. There's plenty of time left. Left-back is an issue, but it is only really left-back where we've got the issue, and that's historically pretty normal for Forrest, so I'm OK with it at the minute. Yeah, I mean, um, it's quite an open question. Um, would you rather have had a window where you get a new CEO, you get Category 1 status in the academy, you get a very good uh, youth coach in Warren Joyce, although you lose Gareth Holmes, who's very good, and you only sign one player with scope for more, or you sign 14 largely average or if not worse players than you had already, and then you have to hope that you get a four or five quality players in. If you were presented with the two scenarios, Mikey, what would you punt on? Oh, without doubt the former. And I think that's kind of where... I'm in my headspace at the moment. I think just give the guys a bit more time to recruit sensibly with a plan in place. So not necessarily how Chris Uton plays trying to fit teams in that, but I think if you look at a, a, a team in a club like Swansea, for example, when their manager comes and goes, they still have the same ethos that underpins that club. And I'd like to think that we're going in a sort of similar direction so, yes, of course, um, Chris and his team will have a big say on who comes in. But even if, like at Forest, we do have a change in manager at some point in time, I'd like to think that this thought process doesn't stop um, so that we are 
constantly building around a, a good spine of youthful, energetic players with a good sell-on value. And that takes time. You know, like what you were saying, Matt, your, your um, second option just sounds awful when you put it that way. But that was the way that, that we were operating as norm for, for numerous years. Maybe last year was, uh, sorry, the year before that when we, when we really went over the top and bought in 14 players. But even before that, I think, didn't we bring in something like 70 players over a four-year span? You know, mm. No one needs six and a half football teams, do they? So mm. I think I'd rather be uh, cautious. I'd rather target players that we want and we can see uh, that we can build a team around for, for a future that, un- that kind of fits into what we're trying to do as a football club. And like I said, you know, that takes time. That, that won't happen overnight. Um, that will take two, three, four, five windows at least, I would have thought, to try and get to where we want to be. And I think that, as long as fans understand that, 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 and actually, I might credit myself here because you have seen teams real really struggle one season and then straight away, like a Barnsley, be pushing for playoffs. And I'm not saying that can't happen with Forest, but I think realistically, if you're going to try and change the thought process that, as I said, kind of underpins your thinking in terms of recruitment, that will take time, and we might have a great season. Hopefully, we will. But if we don't. What we need to be doing is trying to build on what we're doing this season and then continuing and then continuing. And eventually, as Greg was saying, you, you kind of hope it clicks. Do you sense a big change in direction around the club, Sarah? I mean, you've not actually been because of COVID for a, a while. And I don't know if you spoke to Dane Murphy remotely or in person, but does it feel like there's um, a proper sea change around the way Forest are going about things now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've made a lot of changes behind the scenes. It's been a a big overhaul. I know we haven't seen that yet in terms of the squad, but in terms of staffing, there's been a lot of changes. And I think, like we said before, the kind of transfer targets that they're going after represents that. They are younger players. It's kind of a bit more with a view to longer term planning, I think. Players that are I mean, Dane Murphy has said before that he likes players that are under the age of 26. And you can see that in some of the the players that Forrest are now being linked with. It's looking with a view to longer term players that can come in and, and have a an impact for a few years. And then hopefully they progress and you can hopefully sell them on for a bit more money, um, which kind of then feeds back into, into the club again. I think there is just a, a, a general sense that things are changing a little bit. It does take time. It, that kind of thing doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while for these kind of things to click. But the the addition of, of Dane Murphy, I think, is a big a big thing this summer. Um, I, I really feel that he can have, a hopefully, a big impact. Um, and I, I know we haven't seen the signings that perhaps people would have liked, but also, they, so far, they haven't lost anybody in the likes of Joe Worrell or, or Brennan Johnson. They've managed to keep those players. And hopefully that stays the same until the end of the window. I'm sure that there will be more interest and, and, and probably more speculation and, you know, probably bids come in for them. But at the minute, they've managed to hold on to those players. And that's a good sign as well. Um, Greg, would you rather keep hold of Johnson and Worrell and rely on loans and free transfers, or would you rather sell, this is a hypothetical, of course, would you rather sell one of them and reinvest the money in the squad if you had a choice? It just depends on the money, because like you look back now and Matty Cash, they got him for a steal. So we've got to like base it on players like that and their potential. 
But this, again, is the problem with us trying to buy players. We can't have it one way and not the other. We want to buy on the cheap but sell super high. Um, I'd rather keep the squad we have and just rely on loanees and see what happens at Christmas, see where we are at Christmas. I don't want to lose Warrell or Johnson. Johnson's the complete unknown. And Warrell, for me, is and should be the club captain. So to lose one of them would be a real kick. Everyone understood the Matty Cash one and the ones previous. But I think this season, building from from like behind the scenes with the new CEO and everything, we've got to keep the, squ- the core of the squad together. Uh, let's talk about the first game of the season then, <coughs> excuse me, against Coventry on uh, Sunday. Uh, Sarah, is it a good first game? Are you optimistic before we talk about who might actually play? Yeah, I, I think they can go, da- go there and get a good result. Um, I do think, we've said it before, but Forrest's first 11 is pretty strong. I'd expect them to go to Coventry and have a, a decent game. You want to get off to a good start. Um, it didn't happen last year, and I think there were f- a, a few reasons for that, but this year's different. It's a clean start. Um, Chris Hewton hopefully has had a, a, a good pre-season chance to work with players. I know they haven't had the best build-up in terms of the friendlies that that got cancelled and the disruption that um, the COVID cases have caused. But I think they'll be able to put all that to one side and they'll have been able to do a lot of focused work. And I'd expect them to go there and um, hopefully get a win. Um, I I really think that they can go there and and get off to a good start. Uh, Okay, Mikey, Mikey, are they going to win then? Win or draw? Well, uh, yeah. Well, we won there last season and we weren't great, were we, last season? So um, you'd, you'd like to think that <clears throat> our starting eleven at least is as strong, if not stronger, than it was last season. And I, I quite fancy us to go there and win. I think every club's pre-season has been, has been hampered, hasn't it, with, with what's gone off. Um, Coventry, certainly. So it's not just a, not just ours. Um, so... I'm I'm pretty optimistic we can go there and at least get something, whether it be a, a, a draw or a win. It, what what will be interesting for me is the the way that Chris is going to shape his team for that opening game. So if you think back to last season, um, we had and I've mentioned this before on a, on a podcast, Matt. So sorry if I'm repeating myself. We had Cafu playing number ten, which just I just put my head in my hands when that happens because <laughs> no disrespect to Cafu, you. You're almost setting your stall out of what type it's game game it's going to be, because he's going to drop back. You're basically going to play with a five in midfield, try and nick it one nil. I'd like to see us be a bit more adventurous from the get go on Sunday. So, if Cafu's going to play, that's fine. But play him in front of the back four with a Ryan Yates perhaps, and then have those three that all have attacking intent behind them. And I know we might talk about this. In, in a bit, Matt. So I don't want to sort of preempt it, but um, the starting lineup is is a big thing for me because that's almost like where's the mindset to start the season? We're not playing catch up. We're not trying to hold a lead or anything like that. This is set in stone. What we're going to be about, you know, on a game that let's be honest, we probably should go and win. So I'm pretty optimistic. Uh, before we talk about starting eleven, Greg, let you have a quick say. I mean, firstly, do you think they'll win or draw? And secondly, would you rather them? Go out to be hard to beat and get a get a draw, or would you rather they went at Coventry and risk losing? Uh, I start the season as you mean to go on. You know the only way you go up is go at teams, 
uh, we've got to go for them. It's, I think it's the, a great fixture to start with, although it's away from home. But what a statement to win away from home first game and go from there. We had a terrible start last season. You know, cost a manager his job, but we've, we've just got to go for it and uh, and see what happens. We've got some exciting players. We've got some exciting young players and players that haven't been with us for a season or so. So go for them. But they're not a poor team. I think they're better than they were last season. There's always that dread of the ex-Forest player having a stormer like always. And, you know, it'll be a nervy game, but there's going to be a massive following from our lot. And I really think we could we could get the win. Um, let's talk about the starting eleven. Like Mikey says, it is important and it's very interesting. Uh, this isn't great audio, but does anyone think Horvath will start or will it be Sam Bringol? Everyone's shaking their head. It's going to be Sam Bringol, <laughs> isn't it? That's fine. That's good. Right, let's move on. Um, left back, Sarah, will it be Mbe So at left back or will they go with Richardson or Colback or someone out left field? Yeah, I think it's going to be Mbe So unless by some um, by some miracle they manage to get someone in before them, but I think it'll be Mbe So at left back. Is that all right? Is that terrible? What do you think? I think he did okay. I think going forward, he's not the best. You can tell that he's a, a centre back playing at left back, but defensively, he's pretty solid, and that's the most important thing for me. So I think he's all right for as long as it's a, a temporary kind of solution. I don't think it's a bad one. Uh, so I guess the rest of the back four picks itself in Gabriel, McKenna, Worrell in midfield. Um, you mentioned Cafu there, Mikey. I mean, will it be? Would you rather see Cafu or Colback? I assume Yates is going to play because Yates is, you know, a, a regular. Who would you prefer to there, Mikey? I would rather see Jack Colback there. You'd be no surprise with that. Uh, with that answer, um, I was reminded the other day that Colback has played left back before, hasn't he? I think Martin O'Neill played in there and earlier in his career, so. I guess, thinking in terms of how the game may play out, if you do start callback in midfield and things don't go according to plan at left-back, you could always shift in there and not necessarily have to use one of your subs to change your defensive position. Um, but that's just the kind of pragmatist in me thinking, let's hope it doesn't end up like that and we've got no issues at the back. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd start callback in Yates, um, predominantly because I think they're better defensively. I think they're... Pretty decent on the ball, although Capri's pretty decent on the ball too. Um, I quite like the look of that young lad Fauna. Uh, he's not going to be thrown in at this stage, but when I've seen him, he was at Plymouth, wasn't he, last season? He, he did pretty much, he did all right there. So wouldn't surprise me if he's there or thereabouts. But no, I think I think Colback and Yates will start there. And I think that will allow the three in front of him, fingers crossed, to be of a, a more sort of attacking intent. Yeah, the three in front of him is probably where most of the interest lies. I mean, Greg, you're a Carvalho fan. There's probably four players there. Carvalho, Lolly, Mighton and Johnson for three places. Who do you want to get the three uh, spots and who do you think is the one who misses out realistically? I don't... Well, I've, I'll answer this the wrong way around, but I don't think Mighton and Johnson start one or the other just because of you know their age, their it's a big old game to start both, you know, young players with. Um, if Joe Lolly's fit again, he's going to be a different player than he has been the last couple of seasons. He's he's had some bad injuries and injuries that he's played through, and if if he's had a strong pre-season, I know it's hard with the lack of games, but he could be like a new player. So if he's fully fit, you play him, and I'd start Carvalho, but I don't think Carvalho starts. I think he'll start on the bench. 
Um, I honestly don't know, to be honest. It's good to have the options, isn't it? And whatever he starts, the majority of the crowd's going to moan about it anyway, because so, <laughs> we all know better. Um, it's a tough one, but it's exciting. It's an exciting position, and we look, luckily we've got a lot of players for it. Who misses out, Sarah? Do you think it's going to be Carvalho? Uh, I think it might be Carvalho that misses out. Um, just based on how it's gone in pre-season, I think um, Brennan Johnson and Alex Martin have both looked really good. Um, Carvalho has done okay. I'm not saying he's done badly, but I just think those two have edged in front of him a little bit. And they, they're they just a bit more um, a bit more exciting when they get on the ball at the minute. Carvalho has that in him, and he's, he's great at popping up with these little moments of magic. But I think... Brennan Johnson and Alex Martin are, uh, offer a little bit more over the course of the 90 minutes right now. Um, so it would be um, Martin, Johnson and Lolly for me and, and Carvalho on the bench. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. I agree. Mikey, what do you think? I mean, I, I like Johnson as a number 10. I like him more as a right winger in time. But uh, as it stands now, that's what I'd go with. What about you? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of that, to be honest. I think um, I think that's the way it'll go. Uh, I I also think that if we're chasing the game, Carvalho is a great option to bring on somebody who can thread that defence splitting pass. And of course, Johnson can move potentially to one of the, the side uh, inside forward areas. So um, I think he played there for Lincoln, didn't he? Rather than as a number 10 or kind of switch between the two. Yeah. So as Greg, was, as Greg was saying, you know, it's quite good, actually. There is some options. And I think one thing maybe to shout out at this point is uh, Joe Lolly. You know, he had a truncated season last season. Um, he's looked by all accounts, and I know we've had a sort of stuttering pre-season, but from what I've seen of it, he, he's looking like he's almost getting back to himself. So he could be massive, and he can also play in that number 10 role. So they can switch him around, and they can be as fluid as, as they want to be. But, yeah, I think I think he'll go with Johnson, Martin, and Lolly to start in that three. Yeah, I think so. I think Jordan Gabriel is going to be really important because... Obviously, if it's Embe, so he's not going to bomb on and he's not going to give any attacking support to Mighton. So I think they need Gabriel to play, not like Matty Cash, because he's not Matty Cash. But you know what I mean, overlapping and giving Lolly some support and trying to free Lolly up to get at Coventry. Otherwise, I do fear we're going to be watching eight men behind the ball or nine men behind the ball, desperately hoping Graben can do something, assuming it's Graben up front. Um, does anyone think Taylor's going to start up front or will it be Graben? No. I think it'll be grabbing. So is grabbing. Uh, uh, the comments, I haven't seen the comments about grabbing. I assume they're going to be all negative when we read them on as we're streaming live on Facebook. I mean, uh, the fans seem to have lost faith in grabbing largely. Uh, is anyone going to make a case for him to get 20 goals this season or 15 goals? If we're having a... Uh... If we're having a good season and we're up there, the only reason we're up there is because the striker's scoring. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, if if those three behind him are doing well and providing for him, he's going to score goals. He's one of the most natural goal scorers we've had in years. He's a poacher. Uh, he's done it for other teams. He, he did it for us, really, when we weren't that good. So if we are stronger and if we are better behind him, he's going to get the goals, definitely. What about Lyle Taylor? I'll ask Sarah because Mikey's got... <laughs> Actually, Mikey, do you want to talk about Lyle Taylor? You've got... Are you sure? Lyle. Yeah, go on, I'll let you loose on Lyle Taylor. Is there um, a road back for him? Um, well, before I answer that, Matt, I'll just <laughs> go on to what Greg said quickly around Graben. Um, I think he's 34 now, isn't he? But there's no doubt he is... If you give him chances, he will score goals. 
And I think we suffered as a team last season. We weren't creating anything. Um, I think we had the fewest shots on target, second fewest goals. So, yes, you know, the strikers take a, a fair proportion of blame for that, but you're only as good as the service that you get. And I think I'm hopeful that with a fully fit lolly back, uh, Martin Carvalho back in the fold, who can drift in and out games, but when he's on it, he's on it. Um, and of course, Brennan Johnson, that he'll get the chances. And like Greg says, you know, he's proven throughout his career he can score goals at this level. I guess my only worry is, and now I'll answer your question, Matt. Um, my only worry is, uh, he's 34. Can he play 46 games plus cup competitions and not get injured? I think the season under Lamucci, we we gambled on him not getting injured and, and thankfully he, he kind of didn't. But I think our backup options this year are De Costa, and I'm not too sure he'll be there in a few weeks. And of course, Lyle Taylor, who, who I've kind of said before, didn't have the best of seasons last season. And I'm not sure he's the guy that we want to go to um, who can get the goals to, to kind of fire us to where we need to be. So I'm surprised Lyle's still here, if I'm honest. And I know there was interest from Stoke and a few others that have been reported. Um, and I'm sure Chris and the team are probably looking at getting fresh impetus up front, maybe a more youthful impetus up front. Um, I think we were linked with some Croatian striker, weren't we, a few? don't know where that one's gone. I'm not sure if you, you've heard anything on that, Sarah. But um, I'd certainly start the season with Graben. Still got faith in him. It's just, can he do it throughout the season? Um, he's going to need support. He's going to need backup. And for me, I, I, I probably wouldn't class Lyle Taylor in that bracket. I think I'd be looking to, to move, him, move him on and sort of freshen up that area and Acosta as well. So it probably does need one or two new strikers at least, as Greg was saying right at the start. And Sarah, the striker search is the one that's probably quietest in terms of names that have got out there. And there's been a lot of names this this summer. Um, so I can never remember this Croatian striker's name. Klinovic. Exactly, yeah. Uh, that one sounds like... I was like probably saying it completely wrong, but... Well, he's probably not signing. It sounds like it's drifting, doesn't it? I mean, it's, a, it, it's not looking overly promising on the striker search at the moment. But then, you know, Villa signed Danny Inks out of absolutely nowhere last night. So mm. who knows? We would, you know, the whole media might be completely wrong, but it's fairly quiet on the striker front, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think Kulinovic seems to have gone from, I want to come to Forest, I don't want to come to Forest, I want to go to the MLS, I don't want to go to the MLS. He seems to change his mind every day from from what you read of the reports in um, in Croatia. So if I were Forest, I think I'd be... Uh, I'd be saying no. We'll, we'll move on now. We'll, we'll find somebody that actually does want to come and just cut their losses with that one. But I guess that strikers are hard to find, aren't they? We've said it before. They're they're really really tough. Everybody wants one. Everybody wants that twenty goal a season striker. They do cost money if you're going to buy them, um, unless you're trying to find like Forrestar, these hidden gems that nobody else is looking at, um, and that takes a little bit of time. I think at the minute they do they do need to get a striker in, but for the first few games, I, I think they could manage with Lewis Grabin and, and Lyle Taylor as the backup and Nuno de Costa to come on and cause a few problems. Maybe not score the goals, but maybe unsettle the the opposition a little bit. So I think the importance is to get it right rather than to rush getting somebody in for the sake of it to say. We, we've signed somebody, we've signed a striker now. I'd rather they took their time and made sure it was the right one. Um, I think that's probably more important. And in terms of the players who are here, um, Greg, who are you 
Is there a player you're looking forward to seeing particularly this season? Is there a name that might have a particularly good season, hopefully, that people haven't thought about too much in your mind? Um, I was looking forward to seeing a bit of Swan, but I think he's gone on loan or is going on loan, isn't he? So that that's a shame, but that must just show that we've, we've got confidence in what we've got or what we're getting. Um, obviously, Johnson, but everybody's talking about him and whether he'll be here or not. Uh, the, the goalkeeper scenario is quite an interesting one. I mean, Samba surely starts, but this guy was signed out of nowhere and he, I can't believe he's come to us if he was like wanting first-team football because it, it clearly doesn't look like that. So he obviously thinks he's going to have a good chance. Um, other than that, there's, there's not been too much of a change, as they say. There's not really anything in the in the shadows that I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to see him play. Just the ones that we have seen improving a lot. Yeah, I, the one I was thinking of was one Mikey's already said in Tyrese Fauna, who I don't think is going to start mm. immediately. But, I mean, if Forrest don't get any midfielders in, he might get a, get a chance. I think he looks very bright and promising. What about you, Mikey, if you had to pick someone out as someone as one to watch or you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I was going to say the same, actually. Fauna, I think he's only got a year left of his contract, so it, if I'm right, anyway. So it's quite a crucial sort of six months for him. If he can break in, get in that squad on a regular basis, he might be somebody that kind of catches the eye. Because like I said, when I've seen him, he, he looks really useful. Um, I think other than your usual suspects, as Greg was saying, around Johnson and Mighton and players like that, I was going to mention Will Swan as well, but I think alone might do him some, some good, actually. So, um, But it does, it does uh, suggest that if he is going out on loan, that you know, we we do have confidence about bringing somebody in. I think not necessarily not necessarily young kids kind of coming through, but can I just mention the centre-back pairing? So, Warrell and McKenna, I think, are going to be absolutely crucial for us if we can keep those two together. Um, a couple of reasons why I think that is, if you look at Chris Hewton's old Brighton team with Duncan Duffy, they were the, the bedrock of their promotion success over over uh, numerous years, actually, and stabilising in, in the Premier League. Um, and I'll be honest, now that that Guri is his name, has left Swansea, I think he's gone to Palace, um, the Stoke guys uh, left as well. I'm struggling to think of a better centre-back pairing. And if we can keep those two guys here and fit for the season... You know, what's the saying? You don't, you don't let in goals, you don't lose games. So that gives us a great platform to allow the more creative players, as we're talking about, to sort of impose themselves, knowing that, you know what, we're probably not going to let in more than a goal or so in most games because we've got these two guys behind us. So I think they're absolutely crucial then to keeping those two and keeping them fit and on the pitch. Sarah, I've left you till last, so it's hard to say anyone different. But is that, are you going to give us a different name for someone to watch or is it someone we've already discussed? I'll go with Jack Colback. Not somebody that you um, probably... He's not an unexpected name, but we didn't really see him last year. He had injury problems. He didn't really play. I think he can be a bit more involved this season, um, get a bit more game time. And last year was a bit rusty. He hadn't had many games before he um, he signed. He'd gone a year without playing competitive football. So it took him a while to get going. Whereas this year, I think... Hopefully he's had a good pre-season. He has looked pretty sharp when he's played. I think he can have a better season, be a bit more like the the Jack Colback that was here um, on loan. I hope so anyway, because I think he can be a big player. Right. 
we're fairly far into this. Let's go to our predictions for the. We've all predicted the top three, the bottom three, uh, where Forest will finish, and I might ask people just to throw in a club that's a dark horse to have a big season as well. So, who should I throw under the bus first? Uh, I'm just going to click on a name and see who it is. It's Mikey, right? Uh, so. Uh, for people listening, I'll go through them. People aren't watching this on Facebook or YouTube. Mikey has got a top six, not top three, sorry, of uh, West Brom and Bournemouth to go up automatically. Fulham to go up in third. Sheffield United. Oh, I've messed up this graphic. Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, and I think Cardiff are the other team who are <laughs> going to finish in the top six. If it's not Cardiff, just uh, say someone else, Mikey. And then Forest in 13th. Derby in 22nd. Hull 23rd and Blackpool as the third teams go down. I've really messed that up, Mikey. The first one I picked as well. Uh, talk us through that and tell me who the team that's going to finish sixth is. That's all right. Yeah. So, uh, six, uh, I think I'm Sheffield United for six um, and Cardiff for third, I think. So, um, or fourth. The uh, It's no surprise, really. And, I, and I'd, be, I'd be surprised if any of us have got sort of totally different views about who's going to be up there, there or thereabouts. Parachute payments plays such a massive part in uh, teams that can, you know, realistically challenge for that top six place. Now, I mentioned earlier on about the spending in the championship this season um, and that, you know, 70, 80% of it has come from one club that got relegated. So I don't expect that to change. Um, I guess... I don't want to go through all, all sort of six, but I think Sheffield United, the way they play, if they're going to still play with that back three, I think, and I know they changed the manager, so they might not, but they've got some proper quality footballers. They had a terrible season last season, um, you know, and got relegated. But I think they'll be there or thereabouts because they'll have the money to invest. Um, they'll have fans back in the, in the in the stadium. And, you know, Sheffield United is one of those grounds where, they're on top of you and it's hard to get anything there. It's really difficult. So they're going to be there or thereabouts. And, you know, if, if these teams, even if they're struggling mid-table, these teams that have come down or have still got the parachute payments, if they're there or thereabouts in January, we all know what's going to happen. They're the ones that are going to be investing in their squad, tinkering, trying to get that, you know, X factor to get them up there or thereabouts. Whereas the other teams, unfortunately, like ourselves, have to cut our cloth accordingly. You know, this is where we are in the food chain at the moment. So it's just the way it is. So even if these teams have a bad start, I always think last 10, 12 games are going to come through just because of the depth of the squad and the investment that they put in. Mm. Why have you got Forest 13th then? Just lack of depth. Yeah, top of the second part of the league though, Matt, if you look at it that way. <laughs> so, um, well, t- t- to be honest, I think I think my wife said 12th and I said 14th, so I went in between. <laughs> so, so uh, I think we'll be we'll be 13th. I think we'll, we might flirt with the playoffs at some stage. I think we might even go the opposite way at some stage. But like I said at the start, you can't go from, uh, well, you can actually, but I suspect we probably won't go from an ethos of, very strange recruitment and way of playing which is pragmatism to the extreme to a team that's got seven or eight 20 year olds in playing free-flowing football that's going to outscore teams i don't think you can necessarily do that in a short period of time um so i'd expect us to be at the end of the season pretty comfortable mid-table 
like I said, possibly with a flirtation with the playoffs, but I don't think we've got the squad depth of, of these teams with the with the superior finances, unfortunately. Uh, don't talk about the bottom three because we'll all talk about one team in the bottom three at the end, I think, as our last bit. Right, next one, and I really should have proofed these before I did them, uh, is me. Right, okay. So I'll qualify mine because people are going to just laugh at my prediction. More on that to follow from other people around Forest. Um, so I've got Bournemouth top uh, for people listening. Bournemouth top and West Brom in second to go up automatically. Fulham in third. Sheffield United's finished fourth and win the playoffs. Middlesbrough in fifth, Forest or Cardiff in sixth, and then the three to go down, I've got Bristol City, Hull and Derby. I will just qualify the Forest prediction because my reasons for the two other teams in the top six would be very similar to my keys with parachute payments and everything. So my prediction for Forest finish sixth is around them having a good end of the window uh, now and getting some good quality players in. So it's more out of hope and expectation. But if they do get, you know, Garner back... Lauren in, uh, a striker in, and Morgan Rogers or something like that. If they get these players in, then I can see Forrest finishing sixth because uh, I think it's quite an open league this year. Like I said to you, Mikey, when we were doing this, it's, it was really hard to pick the teams below the top four because I think there's quite a, a big financial gap in, in the league. So I can see Forrest finishing sixth. If they have a poor rest of the window, uh, which, you know, is very possible and they only get one or two in that aren't particularly inspiring, then I think it'll be like Mikey says, 12th to 15th or something like that. And I have to say, I don't know if 12th to 15th is enough for Chris Hewitt to keep his job, uh, whether the uh, owner's expectations are going to, uh, if that's going to uh, satiate the expectations of the owner, I'm not so sure, but that's a different conversation. So that's what I think. I've not looked at the comments on the Facebook, but people's going to laugh at me saying Forrest can finish sixth. Oh, the literally the first one I see is someone laughing. Uh Spencer. Okay, that's fine. That's my pitch anyway. Have some hope, people. Um right, who's next? Greg. <laughs> yes, they're laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's predictions for people who are listening. Full yeah, I'll top. start yeah. I better just read them out for people who are listening, not watching. Uh, Fulham top, Middlesbrough second. A few people tipping Middlesbrough to have a good season in the Warnock. Uh, Bournemouth third, Forest fourth and winning the playoffs. West Brom fifth, Blackburn sixth, and then the bottom three, Preston, Millwall and Derby. Right, Greg, go to it. Convince these very many doubting people watching along that Forest can can win the playoffs. Well, Fulham will run away with it. I'm convinced of that. I think they're, they're going to be a mile ahead from every other team. West Brom can't keep doing it and change a manager. I can see him changing early on again, it not going right for them. Forrest, that's a pessimistic uh, pick for me. It's usually tough to what <laughs> One year I'm going to get it right. I think with the CEO and the way we're going to do things this season, it'll be a lot more savvy and more strengthened at the end of this window and we'll push on in the uh, Christmas window. Um, Yeah, for me, it was just, oh, and Blackburn in the top six. There's always that one team that gets there that you don't expect. And I've seen that much news on Ben and diaz this year. (laughs) He's going to fire them into the top six. But yeah, that's it for me. Right. 
people who are laughing at this, I mean, we'll throw it. We will throw it back in people's faces if we're right, and we'll ignore it if we're wrong. I did look at last season's prediction. I think I watched at you this a while ago, Greg, where we, I think all three of us had Forest to make the playoffs, and two of us had Forest to go up. But we did have Watford and Norwich to go up. I think everyone did, or Bournemouth. So we weren't too far wrong there. Um, people are asking what you've been drinking, Greg. It's too early for that. I hope it's not even much. It's squash. <laughs> Just squash. That's good. Right, Sarah. Uh, you get to go last because I don't, I can't read on these thumbnails whose the names are. So that's just why it is. Sarah's predictions. I'll read out for those listening once more. Fulham to win the league, West Brom to go up in second, and Bournemouth to win the playoffs in third. Um, Cardiff fourth, Sheffield United fifth, Forest sixth, suffering more uh, playoff misery. In that fact, they'd lose the semi-final there to Bournemouth, wouldn't they? That would that would be typical. Uh, and then the three to go down are Coventry, Blackpool, and Derby. Sarah, please mount your defence of uh, why Forest is going to have a good season. I didn't know we was allowed to qualify it by saying if it, well, if they have a good transfer window yeah, or not. That's the bonus of organising. That's because I'm organisers privilege and hosts privilege. <laughs> Well, I'll back them to have a good transfer window anyway in the last few weeks and um, and have a good... I just think Chris Hewton has this second season syndrome. Um, he's got a good track record. There is the basis of a good squad there, if they can add to it. So I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Get into the playoffs and it... it I know it's, it's such a cliche, but it is a lottery and it, it's just so difficult to come through it. But if they can be... In around that top six, I think that would be massive progress after last season. And it's a good base then to build further. Um, I just think taking that next step is is a big one and it is quite tough. Um, but for me, the league is so open. There's not really a lot to choose between all the teams apart from the ones that have come down. Um, I think it, if you can get on a, a decent run, it could be anybody's. Yeah, I think it's open. I think that's a fair comment. Right, we all had Derby in the bottom three. Um, can anyone even make it? It's not a Derby podcast, and you know, but can anyone make a case for Derby to stay up or do we all just absolutely convince they're going to finish way way adrift at the bottom? I don't think they finish the season the way it's going at the moment. <laughs> uh, Might not yeah, start it. Yeah. That's it's true. just I've never known. It's just, and I know it's them, and I really want them to fail. I definitely want them to go down. But it's the sign of the times. This was going to happen to one or two clubs, and I think they are well on their way to being in more than just going down trouble. It just seems absolutely catastrophic down the road. I'm loving it. I don't want to see anyone lose jobs, obviously, but I want to get them out of this league because it's always us and them, isn't it? It's getting boring now playing them twice a year and having the controversy let's get rid of them for 10 years or so and see what happens 10 years wow it is hard to get out of league one or league two if you get relegated via administration yeah certainly um right i think we shall uh leave it there thanks to everyone who watched along and told us how wrong we are in the comments here's a question (laughs) quickly does my shirt look brown or blue on this screen brown brown It, it, it looks green to me but that just could could just be me well, it's blue. It's a weird um, <laughs> optical illusion. It's navy blue. Obviously, the shirt behind me is red, so it might be one of those weird <laughs> Twitter video uh, things that you know we can put out and it could go viral. But my shirt is definitely blue. Yeah, it's not brown. Okay, what a weird ending to a, a note to end on. Um, 
Right. Thanks for everyone who watched along. And a quick plug for our Twitter account on uh, Garibaldi Red. It's uh, at Garibaldi Red underscore. So do give us a follow. And uh, if you didn't laugh at our predictions too much, do give us a good uh, five star rating on iTunes would be nice. And so like and subscribe on YouTube because you can get us pretty much anywhere. Right. Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you. Greg, thank you. Yep. Mikey, thank you. Thanks. I'll have some of what Greg's drinking. Second. It's <laughs> squash. It's in a Trembridge. Yeah, it's yeah. Squash. It's vodka. It's vodka in it. Everyone, yeah, and um, no one believes my shirt is blue. It is. I promise people my shirt is blue. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll be back on Monday uh, with the return of uh, Gary Bertels, the podcast, and someone else. Sarah, it might well be you. I haven't even been kind enough to ask you yet, but uh, it might well be Sarah. Thanks very much, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.